0: Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor.
1: Hello, my friends. I hope your year is off to a great start. I'm hopeful that we'll be getting back to normal in the not-too-distant future I've posted on LinkedIn and in my LSMR newsletter that I'm expanding my content this year beyond marketing. I'm probably a little late to the party, but I'm curious how artificial intelligence, machine learning, blockchain, and other technologies or new business models will impact life science. While I'm late, I'm sure I'm not the last one to arrive, maybe just fashionably late. I hope you'll join me on this learning journey. I've started a Substack newsletter, and there will also be a podcast in the same place. I already have guests lined up. You can find it all at cclifescience.substack.com. That link will also be in the show notes. LSMR will continue as my branded content studio for folks who want to make podcasts, videos, and other content for their companies. All right, enough yapping about that. Since we should be seeing more of each other in person soon, let's hear from Bonnie Sepkowski about how to make the most of your time together at an in person event this year so you can build relationships. All right, folks, she's back for her third appearance on Life Science Marketing Radio. She's in the Elite Club. There's only two or three of you. Wow. Bonnie Sipkowski is the president and chief strategy officer at Stellar Meetings and Events. Also probably has the most, the largest gallery of hotel carpet photographs on her website, which I think she's going to be selling as NFTs pretty soon. <laughs> It's a good idea. <laughs> She'll retire and we'll never see her again. Bonnie, welcome back.
0: Thank you so much. Sorry about that noise in the background. I also have a very large collection of hotel room keys.
1: Oh, the key cards. That
0: I'm slowly turning into a really bad work of art. Nice. All right.
1: So today we're going to talk about meetings, of course, but in a way we haven't talked about before. So meetings, of course, have changed, but we're going to focus today on how to make your get the most out of your meeting and things maybe that don't need to happen at your meeting as well. So, let's start with the basics. Just give us a type an example of the types of meetings you help produce.
0: I pretty much run the gamut. Most of my cl- all of my clients are in the life sciences. I used to say most, but it's really all of my clients since I started, and I do sales meetings. I do a lot of advisory, a lot of client advisory boards, a lot of client evangelism events, I call them, meetings that are, are put into place to build relationships with your clients, not necessarily as a sales tool. I do, I try not to do trade shows, but I do. I do seminars and symposia and any group of people getting into a room, if it's more than four people, I can probably doing that.
1: All right. So I like that you mentioned working with clients, building relationships. So whether it's a sales meeting or an association or even a small event, that might be the most important aspect of getting people together is events. I'm going to steal your answer here, but why do that at all? Why? And what's your goal?
0: There's a lot we can accomplish like this. And and if the last year and, last almost two years have taught us anything. It's that we can accomplish tons virtually and we don't necessarily all need to get together. But there is nothing that compares with being in the same room together, either to build a relationship, to reinforce a relationship, to build and or reinforce your culture. There are get FaceTime with your clients to launch new initiatives. They really require that human element and that there's a limit to how much We can connect like this. This is a lot of time spent staring to make sure your hair is in the right. place. A lot
1: is lost in virtual. Especially for a large meeting where you can't see everyone else. And I realize you might be sitting in a meeting looking at the back of someone else's head. But you'd have a chance at some point to see them face to face and have a conversation, which really isn't practical. I like all the things you mentioned there, particularly around Culture, for example, and um, things within your own company, besides all the things you might do outside the company. So, what are how can we do this better and maximize the opportunity we have when people are meeting space to space and all those long term benefits of having people together in one place?
0: It's funny because I've been fighting the bad agenda since probably 5 years into my career when i realized just how much time we were wasting by being in this by while we we're in the same room together by jamming the agenda full of stuff that could be done online and now that we're in now that everybody else has realized just how much they can they can accomplish when they're doing this i think that the main takeaway is that time together is insanely precious it's far more precious than we thought it was and we can't we can continue relationships or we can start relationships this way but you can't build them you can't really you can't get beyond a fairly superficial level of relationships when you're looking at, at each other in 2D. I, I, I have the same feeling I've always felt, which is that all that stuff that you can email in advance, do that. Spend your time together, not just wisely, but purposefully and intentionally. Get together and make sure that the things that you're doing together, the moments that you're spending together are maximized. It's so expensive to get together. And it's so exhausting and it's so um, work intensive and then people get together and look at a spreadsheet projected onto a whiteboard onto a a screen they look at it projected and then the speaker reads it out and that goes on for four hours and then you get a 10-minute potty break because you've gone over your schedule And nobody wants it. Nobody wants to be there. So they're not retaining. They're not enjoying. And they're not bonding. We've got to bond.
1: So you jumped ahead a little bit to my next question was, no, that's all right. Uh, I want some more examples like the spreadsheet of things that don't need to be on the agenda. And then as a follow-up. Like, how do we get those people who are going to go over? First, Answer that one first.
0: <laughs> okay. Spreadsheets don't ever have to be on a screen. Data should be handed out at paper, either on, on paper or by email or in some other way. There should never be a spreadsheet in front of you on a screen. The things you shouldn't be doing are anything that you could do by email. Really? It, it sounds like I'm closing my business by, by saying, but why are we reading things off of screens to one another? Read it beforehand and then discuss it when you get together.
1: So what kinds of things do you see on those? And what is the motivation of the person who thinks? I'm just trying to get down. So people recognize it when it happens and maybe calls them out and says, hey, We don't need to do this. What kinds of things are people reading off of spreadsheets? And there must be some summary, at least, that could be.
0: You could flash anything onto a screen for a second. Say, here's the numbers. You know what the numbers are because I emailed them to you a week ago. So now that you know what the numbers are because you've all read the email that I sent you and I told you we were going to discuss it at the meeting, let's talk about it. Or here's what I have to say about it. Or here are my thoughts give me back your thoughts make it a conversation it's too much we should we we have to engage with each other so there shouldn't be a whole lot of time where there's a person standing up and just talking without interaction and there should never be a time where what that person's talking about can be read off of the screen got it
1: so much more interaction so recapping where we are so far no, don't jam pack the agenda. <laughs> Nothing goes on the screen that can't be sent by an email. And when you're standing up there, no talking heads. Conversation. We're talking about the things that you've already and seen.
0: Yeah. And TED Talks have taught us an, an awful lot about what we call like the ten, the five, ten, twenty, the very short, uh, a five minute speech, a 10-minute speech, a 20-minute speech, a 30, whatever it is, a short, much shorter period of time versus a 90-minute keynote. A short period of time where somebody gets up, blurts out all the fascinating things they have to say, and then interaction around that. People stop hearing you after 20 minutes.
1: Yeah. It takes a little effort, though, just to acknowledge that. Mark Twain, I wrote you a long letter because I didn't have time to write a short one.
0: <laughs> That's my whole writing style right there. I haven't got time to edit this down.
1: Yeah. You recently put a post, I think it was on LinkedIn. At least that's how I found it. Talk about the importance of getting outside.
0: That's the other thing that the pandemic taught us, I think, is that, man, it's so much nicer when we're having these conversations in the fresh air. And since... I've only just started in the spring having live meetings again, and partially because it was a beautiful time of year, and partially because we were looking for space and to be safe and healthy, we did a lot of, I planned a lot of things outside, and people are so much more invigorated when they're outside. Picture all the times, I have this thing I call a ballroom tan. You go to this gorgeous destination, and you never leave the meeting room. And so you do airport, ho- airport Uber hotel Uber airport, and people need fresh air and vitamin D and and um, and looking longingly out the window is not a good sign if you're the presenter and that's what your audience is doing. So pick them up and bring them outside, and talk to your planner. Plan that out. You always need to backup, of course, because rain, snow, sleet. Whatever might happen. But as late as October, the end of October here on the East Coast, I was doing outdoor breakout sessions. I think they were a lot more effective. Certainly, people were a lot happier.
1: What does that look like for an outdoor breakout session? And just and people sitting around the table? I'm just.
0: I was in a cool spot. I was at a hotel that was this giant, rambling, in the woods resort. And the. Main building that we were working in had was on a lake, and there was a deck in the back, and there was a fire pit to the right, and there was a front porch, and there were all these little spots that didn't require any work or expense to to utilize. So when I went for the site inspection, I talked to them about my clients about how many how many breakouts they had, and they said four, and it was a small group. It would not a hundred people per group. I just. Dragged them outside. We brought out flip charts. They did all their presentations and stuff inside. And when when they came outside, they brought a flip chart. Some of them were sitting in the grass. Some of them were chairs. There were tables. There were all the things we needed. One was just a bunch of people sitting around a fire pit. But people were sitting on the ground because it felt good. And uh, they came out. They came back with so much, um, having utilized so much creativity. And I think nature helps with that. The fresh air helps with that. Those stuffy hotel rooms are not exactly good fertilizer for creativity.
1: Yeah, I imagine that. I mean, you're in there all day and -hmm. you're distracted by the idea of being outside already. So when you're in that breakout, you're not fully engaged. Whereas if you get outside, then you go, wow, this is pretty cool.
0: And you know what? Add, yeah, add a little time to not be fully engaged, because people do want to look at the leaves. take a few minutes, take in the environment. They just came back from lunch and then a keynote. So they're tired. they're you're, you get logy after a while. You get overload, and now you're out in the fresh air. And the leaves are changing, the birds are singing, and butterflies are landing on my ha- outstretched hand. and okay, I'm making that part up. But it could happen. Um, And people are much more enthusiastic, much more interactive, and much more comfortable and happier. And happy sounds like it's not, it shouldn't be part of your goal, but imagine the difference. Well, but that's not what people are thinking about when they're planning their agendas. They're not thinking about keeping people happy and engaged. They're thinking about cramming in as much information as they can, making best use of the time and i get that cuz again it's money it's money it's time it's energy it's effort use it right but sometimes using it right means chill for a minute
1: yeah take, take deep, deep breaths breath. well happy people are probably more receptive happy
0: people, happy people are so, so much, much more receptive,
1: more receptive. <laughs> and if you're hearing my dog our common friend <laughs> Andy Bertera was the first person on his podcast to meet Lola Honestly, I think it was like three years ago today, exactly. The Amazon guy shows up right when we started.
0: I think my pugs were, my late pugs were in our first podcast. Anyway, that's, that's the other cool pandemic outcome that we didn't expect is that everybody gets to be human now. Yeah. You get to have dogs and kids and doorbells and, um, and spouses walking by and they're in their pajamas, and it's it, it really connects people in a much more authentic way.
1: Yeah, no, that's probably one of the best things that's that's happened. Is that I don't know what to call it. The Zoom ceiling has been broken. Yeah. Any other examples of your favorite outside activities? I really love this idea. So do you, have you other done other things and events outside that stick in your mind?
0: The people that you we know in common will tell you about the beach Olympics we did 25 years ago in St. Thomas. But that's times have changed. And we're not necessarily dropping 500 tennis balls into the Caribbean and sending people in to... Collect them and play bingo, but it could—it's still a thing. There's walk and talks. I—I I love that with a small group. I love when you're somewhere in a lovely area, and use your phone as a recording device and walk, walk around and engage with each other that way. It, and I'm speaking mostly of breakout sessions. It's really hard to have a general session outdoors. But when you're splitting people up, give them the opportunity. There's a million ways. There's, it depends on your location. Can you sit by the water? I'm down for that any day. And none of this is formal stuff. You can bring in companies to help you do um, outdoor activities. Orienteering is really fun when you're, when you're in the woods somewhere. I like to do progressive dinners. In cities where you go from restaurant to restaurant, and you walk. So that in between courses, you're getting fresh air. I've got clients that do yoga at the beginning of the day, outside before the meeting starts. So there's no real limit to what you can do outdoors. I'm thinking, honestly, thinking of the free stuff. The stuff that does not impact your budget, your schedule, anything. These are just simple ways to make it a. a more enjoyable and more interactive and happier experience. And like you said, happier means more effective. People do better when they feel good.
1: Let's wrap up on this. Talk a little bit about, do you have examples of culture? Like an event where you saw an outcome related to the internal culture of an organization or even with their clients? that that stands out.
0: I have an event that I've done every year for 16 years. It's a client event that I do for one of my clients and the intention from the beginning initially it was started as a, as an advisory board. Let's bring our clients together and get some input from them. As the event grew to a few hundred people and and that's a good number for an event like this. What was happening was I was seeing this and it was intentional. What I was seeing was this tightening collaboration, this tightening partnership based on this complete non-selling sharing of ideas. Anytime that you can get competitors in a room, and you know this from Samps, anytime you can get competitors in the room to share best practices and share information in a non, you're not sharing the secrets, but just ideas. And so This group of people over the course of nearly two decades now get together once a year. They look forward to it every year. It's 40 different companies coming together to pay money to be with their vendor ostensibly. If you look at it that way, they're they're not paying to attend the event, but they're paying to fly there. They're paying in their time. They're paying for their hotel, all of that stuff. Because the culture of that particular program is such that, that number one, it's fun. It's fun because it's not your work. It's somebody else's work. The information, the knowledge in the room is beyond belief. You've got top people in your field, in all every other company, in your competitive set. And the ideas just flow. And the culture has gone from closed, because these are my competitors, to this realization that we're all in this every, but nobody's giving away company secrets, but processes and and ways of looking at things are shared. And that has created a very warm and fuzzy culture. And you're talking about now your clients. So your top clients are looking forward every year to getting together, to get together with your other clients in this really collegial, fun, interesting, informative way. That evolved, it didn't take long for that to evolve into a thing, into a real kind of place where people couldn't wait to get to. I still get emails from people at the end of the conference saying I need to save the date for next year. That's one, this client I was just with, the one that did all their breakouts outdoors, their entire culture is about the humanity of who they are. They're a business, they're a hugely successful business, they're a fast-growing company. There's all kinds of wonderful things about the business, but the core of who they are, the culture of who they are rises above the work. And everything that we do together shows that, this intentionality of everything. And I met someone who started her first day, was at this meeting. And by day two, she was crying. She was She's like, I can't believe this really exists in a way like this. And that's not me. That's this company. I, I get to work with them and experience their culture and help them support it. But it's, but one of the ways that they keep that going is by getting together and by not being tied down to the old way of doing things.
1: Uh, I love both of those examples. That one, corporate culture, fascinates me and how companies develop good ones and then the previous example i think is something we talked about probably the first time you were on the podcast but such an opportunity for a company to essentially create a mastermind group they're absorbing information from their and challenges from the breadth of their clients and yet their clients all share information with each other which is really the value and then you just bask in the good feeling created by that. And that becomes part of your brand, right?
0: It is. And and there's a lot of basking going on because it's really a wonderful thing. And it's so collaborative. And what's interesting from the client perspective, from my client, not from their client's perspective, although it's it's all very open, is that when, because they've built this relationship with these individuals, not with Joe Smith Inc., They've built a relationship with the head of the department of Joe Smith, Inc. When Joe, when he leaves and goes to another company, he's going to bring this company with him because he has a relationship with them and as the marketing guru that you are. Nobody buys from companies anymore. We all buy from people. And that is, that's why we need to get our clients together in rooms like that. Or outside like that.
1: Nice. That's a um, perfect way, yeah, to wrap it up. Like we buy from people, need to meet people face to face. Get your people outside. <laughs> Cut off the-
0: Talking heads. And always have coffee. I'm going to end everything I say with always have coffee.
1: To have coffee, no matter how much it costs.
0: No matter how much it costs. Because riots will ensue.
1: All right, Bonnie Sipkowski, thank you so much for sharing all that with us today. I hope that we've inspired some people to rethink how they're doing their off site events or on site and build a few relationships.
0: Thank you so much, Chris.
1: My pleasure. Whenever Bonnie talks about looking out the window to get outside, of course, I think back to elementary school or even high school staring out the window on a beautiful day, thinking, how come we can't go out there? And actually, uh, I took Latin, which I don't recommend anyone do, um, but my Latin teacher was pretty cool. And sometimes we actually did go outside. So speaking of those relationships that you're going to build at those events, if you know somebody that I should talk to about artificial intelligence and life science, or someone who can explain how blockchain might be useful beyond cryptocurrency, send me an email, chris at life lifesciencemarketingradio.com. In the meantime, check out cclifescience.substack.com and share it with your colleagues. I'll be back with another episode soon. Bye-bye.